You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Podcast Detroit. This is Liz Reed, your host with Liz Life Guru. I am here with my engineer, Jessica, and we have a special guest today, which is Kendall, who I'll introduce in just a minute. We have a very deep subject to talk about today, which is extremely helpful for many people, is ketamine and depression. Um, ketamine has been seen in kind of in a negative light over many years, but has now come into its own as a help for people with chronic and ongoing depression. Um, this is clinical depression, not your situational depression where you just have a bad day or certain things are going on in your life and you don't feel real well and you need some psychotherapy to help with this. Uh, ketamine is right up there with ECT, uh, electroconvulsive therapy, and ketamine is um, proven to be pretty effective and has really helped a lot of people. So if uh, we give you a, uh, if I give you a small background on ketamine, ketamine is um, also known as Special K back in the day when it, that was used as a date rape drug or as um, a party drug, a club drug. The medication is used for uh, starting and maintaining anesthesia. Uh, it induces a trance-like state while providing memory loss and pain relief. So it's been extremely helpful for that. The veterinarians use this. Um, it's a sedation uh, for chronic pain and depression, and it creates a disassociative uh, uh, effect for the patient. Um, as I said, veterinarians use it. It is used for small animal anesthesia and for people with long-term chronic pain. It's a Schedule three drug. Uh, it's approved by the, for medical use. Additionally, it is a recreational drug. As I mentioned in the beginning, ketamine can have a mild hallucinogenic effect as well. Um, sedation and tranquilization. So there's a lot to it and a lot of controversy. But what we're seeing popping up across the United States is a bunch of different ketamine clinics. Uh, someone who is going to get in, it's, given to you in an IV type situation in a uh, contained environment that is supervised by a psychiatrist and several nurses. And Kendall, who I'm going to be introducing right now. Hi, Kendall. How are you today? I'm good, Liz. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. Kendall is actually the friend of a patient of mine. I have never treated Kendall, but we've gotten to know each other over the years. And um, she has been receiving ketamine treatments, and this has been very highly effective for her. So she's going to give us some of her insight on what has gone on through her journey from the beginnings of her depression and how that got started into her um, ending up at ketamine therapy and where she is now. So, Kendall, um, when did you first hear about ketamine? Uh, it was about a year ago. My psychiatrist had uh, just started providing it. 
Yeah. And he recommended it for me versus um, ECT. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thought the ECT would be a little traumatic for me given my um, past. Okay. So he recommended it. Go ahead, honey. Oh, and he, uh, yeah, so he said that the ketamine is, um, it's, you know, it's been the first um, real breakthrough in treatment-resistant depression. Sure. Um, in a long, long time. So mm-hmm. um, we gave it a try. Oh, uh, okay. So, um, so when you, I know you have to have a psychiatrist recommendation and then it's in a, you know, you go right. to an actual, uh, do you go to a clinic, an outpatient clinic for your treatments? So my psychiatrist offers it in his office. Oh, that's um, nice. And then, um, I also have an outpatient clinic that's run by, um, a board certified anesthesiologist mm-hmm. who works with ketamine in her day-to-day practice in a hospital setting. Nice. Um, so, um, I, I usually go and see her. Okay. Um, just. Yes. Hers is more, um, cost friendly. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Okay. So, um, so it's administered in a controlled environment, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. And it's through an IV saline solution, correct? And then the, um, the amount of ketamine that you take is determined by body, body weight, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. The starting dose is usually um, 0.5 milligrams per kilogram. Okay. Uh, and that, that's kind of like a, the, where they have started to see um, progress, that starting dose. Sure. And, you know, an interesting fact that I was reading, you know, as I was doing a little more research on ketamine is that, you know, over a third of our population that is taking SSRIs, you know, which is, um, you know, our serotonin uh, uptake inhibitors um, are not affected in a positive way. It doesn't work for them, which I think, you know, that is the go to for everybody is, you know, get them on an antidepressant. That's going to help. That's, you know, and for a lot of people, including myself, serotonin or I mean, antidepressants did not work for me either. I was they were going to be giving it to me for um, depression or not depression, excuse me, anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it was not helpful for me at all. So um, obviously, ketamine uh, depression is not my main mental health issue. Mine is anxiety. But I also read that this does help with anxiety as well. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, and also um, PTSD. Yeah. There's been numerous studies and it's definitely helped with my PTSD as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so give us a brief little background on, you know, kind of how you grew up, what your wi- life was, what your wife, <laughs> what your life was like, and, um, you know, how your depression kind of started. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know you were adopted, which I just found out recently, yes, and that's right. always a problem, right? We, you and I discussed that. Every patient I see yes. that is adopted has had some issues with abandonment. No matter how great your parents are, it just really seems to be a problem. Wouldn't you Correct. agree? And yeah. My um, my adoptive parents are wonderful. Yeah. Um, they, I, I mean, you know, um, I also have two uh, sisters who are my parents' biological children. Mm-hmm. Also, um, and I mean, there's never been any kind of different treatment. If anything, I say I was more of the quote unquote special child. Sure. Um. So it's no fault of the parents. Um, you know, the adoptive parents, I really feel it is just a, it's a biological, it's Mm -hmm. a biological issue. Yeah. And Um, like you and I were saying, abandonment. 
Yeah, you and I were saying that Correct. also, that it's kind of like in your mitochondrial DNA to want to be with your parents, to want to know why, you know, why can't I be with my parents? And you and I discussed this before, yeah. how important it yeah. is for a child to be with their parents. I in And no matter what the circumstances are of why you were given up at adoption, you still question, but why, but why, you know, I, I don't understand. Yeah. What about me? You know, what did, why didn't you love me enough? Or, you know, no matter what the circumstances mm-hmm. are, we always internalize that type of rejection, right? Correct. And my main thing was, um, I'm not good enough. And that's yeah. been this reoccurring thing in my life that has caused many, many issues and, um, mm-hmm. you know, led to certain trauma events in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. Nobody, I, I don't deserve love. Yeah. Um, you know, even to this day, I struggle with my husband. I'm like, okay, is he going to leave me? Yeah. And I know deep down he never would. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's just ingrained in my brain sure. of I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of uh, shows in the past about that. Like you've ingrained is mm-hmm. absolutely correct about the neural pathways within the brain. When we start a negative yeah. thought process like that, we literally create grooves within the brain that we literally keep going back to, circulating on and, and repetitive thinking and rumination and all of the ugliness mm-hmm. that comes along with that, that ends up creating from a small thought or... um offhanded comment from somebody or something that we picked up Mm -hmm. that we thought meant something to us, we create this internal dialogue that tells us we're just not good enough. And that is a tough one to shake. It's really tough. When did your parents start seeing that there were some issues that you needed attention? How old were you? Um, I, to be honest, it was about three years old when my, um, my uh, sisters were born. Um, I, I pretty much had the complete attention of my grandparents on my father's side. Uh-huh. They were amazing. And um, my mom, you know, she was so busy with my twin sisters that mm-hmm. they kind of really stepped in and stepped up into my life. And, um, you know, my grandpa and I had this joke of we grew up together. Yeah. Um, so uh, the main the main problems really started when we moved from Mississippi to Texas and I was kind of pulled away from that environment. Uh-huh. And it was, you know, now this competition between myself and my two sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and also it's difficult. So they adopted you. So you're the oldest. Yes. Correct. Okay. So that makes it, and then there's biological children in there. I know that's a rough game yes. for a lot of kids, right? Well, and also like, you know, all the older kids are kind of like the quote unquote experimental kids, like what yeah. works, what doesn't. <laughs> so Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So, okay. So you started exhibiting uh, some signs. What was your first diagnosis and how old were you? Um, I was around seven and it was um, ADD back then. That was pretty much mm-hmm. all, you know, you could diagnose a child with at that point. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, it's changed over the years, but it was originally ADD. And um, as I progressed in age, um, my psychiatrist started realizing it's not that. Let's, yeah. You know, say it's childhood bipolar. It's not that. Um, Goodness. It, it's been kind of this revolving cycle, and I've never really officially had a correct diagnosis up until I was seeing my current psychiatrist. Um, okay. this past couple of years. So so at a younger age, as this was progressing, were they putting you on and off a bunch of different medications? Yes. 
I, um, I mean, you could give me a list of every psychiatric medication yeah. and I can check pretty much all of them off. Wow. And I mean, this was from a very young age. Um, mm-hmm. You know, thinking about it now, my son is the same age as when I started and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's yeah. no way I would ever put a child on that. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, back then it, it, it was, there's no other options. There wasn't any kind of behavioral therapy or um, it, it definitely wasn't as talked about and, you know, just a huge stigma. Sure. Um so as you got with, older, uh, yeah. So as you got older, did you start acting out more? Yes, I did. Um, I had um, I was molested as a younger child, um, which I had blocked out quite a bit um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. up until I was in a um, all girls therapeutic boarding school. Yeah. Um, also in high school, I was raped. Oh my! Um, okay. So I. Um, I mean, I, I, I felt, I, I used self-harm, I cut, um, you know, I, I self-medicated with drugs and alcohol quite a bit. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just generally this unpleasant person, um, mm-hmm. with, you know, I mean, major depression, major anxiety. And, um, but also, you know, I would say I felt like I didn't have a soul because something there yeah. was this huge hole inside of me. Sure. Um, something was missing. Mm-hmm. And I would do anything I could to fill that void. Yes. And that, you know, you and I were discussing that as well. And I discuss this with many mm-hmm. of my patients who have been through similar circumstances as you. Um, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. You're one of m- millions out there and many that I see in my office. Uh, when we're yeah. suffering with low self-esteem and depression and um anxiety and past trauma that, you know, they're trying to treat with a pill. I'm sure you've been through a litany of therapists, Mm -hmm. correct? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's just develops more of just this negativity. So we start looking for love in all the wrong places. We start, um, a lot of women are promiscuous. A lot of women Mm -hmm. um, are running around talking uh, to different dudes and having all kinds Mm -hmm. of relationships. We end up um, having all kinds of emotional uh, drama, you know, creating drama within our own relationships with friends because we don't clearly really know how to have a proper relationship because it's been so skewed from the time we were a child. And if you have those abandonment issues as well, that's not going to help, right? Yeah. How long did the self-harm go on for? Um, uh, to be honest, I mean, it, it, I started when I was about 14, 13 or 14. Um, and it's something I struggle with to this day. Okay. Um, it's been about a year since I've cut. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not a daily thing. It's just Mm -hmm. these, um, situations come up and, uh, before I started my ketamine and I had no idea how to handle these feelings. Mm-hmm. And it was either I was feeling way too much and I needed that physical release mm-hmm. or I had completely shut down and gone numb yeah. and needed something to ground me. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people, and I'm going to have you shed a little light on this, understand about self-harm. Sure. So so I have seen plenty mm-hmm. of patients with self-harm issues. And a lot of my patients explain it as um, cutting, like like I had one patient who by on accident had um, cut herself with a staple when she was a little girl mm-hmm. and bled. 
And when the bleeding gave her a tremendous amount of relief and that kind of yeah. led to ongoing more and more. Now, uh, you know, when she hasn't self-harmed in a while, but I mean, to some really intense, aggressive things she was doing, like burning herself, um, cutting herself mm-hmm. extremely deep. I mean, she has suicidal ideation, which I'm sure you have had in the past. Correct. Correct. Yeah, but but self harm gives you some degree of relief with when you don't know what to do with the emotions that you're carrying. Is that true? Yes, that's definitely correct. Um, like I said, mine goes either one of two ways: is I I feel like I am dead. Yeah. Um, I have no emotions. I have nothing. Everything's gotten so much to handle that I shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling that physical pain and seeing the blood come out, it, okay, you're alive. It, 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 it grounds me yeah, and lets, and lets me know that, okay, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's too much emotion, it's the pain from cutting and then, you know, seeing the blood and watching myself bleed is, it's a distraction from the emotional turning it into yeah. a physical release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so cutting has been my, my, you know, personal preference for self-harm. Mm-hmm. Um, How long have you been doing I haven't it? Done anything. How long have you been doing it? I'm sorry. Uh, since I was about 14 and I'm 32 now. So, um, 32, that's a long tapered, time. It's it definitely tapered off quite a bit um there was a long period of time I didn't cut um you know some traumatic events happened um a couple of years ago and I I cut once or twice since then Mm -hmm. um so it's definitely not something that comes into my mind immediately anymore Mm -hmm. um thanks I I really think the ketamine has helped with this Um, oh great that's definitely not something yeah um, and so now I also know I have a support system. Um, you know, I will do a safety contract with my best friend mm-hmm. if I don't feel like I can tell my husband that day. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll set a time to check in the next day and I make it through. Yep. Yep. So you've, you've put together a plan and you are married. How long have you been married? Uh, we got married in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been together since 2005. So this year, um, being together, it'll be our 19 years, 14, 15. Yeah, something now. like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we've been married since 2007. <laughs> okay, that works. And so your husband is a good support for you. Yes, he is. He has been... Um, he has taken all of the, you know, abuse I have given him and, yeah. um, he's been there with me every step of the way. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that, you know, is like, I am not leaving you there. You know, you can't push me away. And, mm-hmm. you know, definitely with the abandonment issues, there's that cycle of self-sabotage, yeah. um, to make yourself, to prove yourself right. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. That, sure. And so there was, um, there was a big issue a couple of years ago. And I, um, I mean, it was, you know, one of the roughest years we've ever had. And he stuck by me and he is, I, I mean, it's always been this running joke in my family that, you know, Andrew has 
saved my life. And I, I truly believe without him, I would not be here today. Sure. Because he has been my rock. Sure. And for a lot of people, they don't have that. A lot of people that yeah. um, exhibit, uh, you know, at one point, I know you were diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well mm-hmm. as, um, yeah, a chronic depression and um, suicidal ideation. And you've had a couple suicide mm-hmm. attempts as well, right? Yeah, correct. Oh, okay. Uh, so my... go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I my was just... most recent one was um, June of last year. Okay. And, um, you know, things had just gotten to a certain point and I just said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Uh Um, I thought that my son would, um, he, my, my husband could find a different, a better wife and my son could have a better mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, that's when I started the ketamine treatments after my, um, suicide attempt. Okay. Okay. So um, that's important. So that was like a last straw for you. Yeah. It was. Okay. Um, how many times did you attempted suicide prior to this? Uh, just once before. Just once before. How old were you then? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I was about 15. About 15 years Around old. 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, what I was reading about ketamine in my research is that it affects the glutamate section of the brain and it repairs connections yes. in the neurons, which gives us a yes. different signal than the original signal that we're getting, which is to negative self-talk and depression and, Correct. you know, um, and is a much faster and aggressive way. Now I know, now, now I know ketamine has a, mild hallucinogenic effect to it. And you and I were trying to remember the name of what they do in Mexico, and I cannot remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't it's, think of it either. It's some um, type of hallucinogen they use down there and trip out. It's one of the first things that they started using um, to help people with chronic depression. And people mm-hmm. would go down to Mexico or over to Africa and take these, mm-hmm. take, I, and it's not peyote, which, by the way, I've taken peyote back in the day. And, um, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm really honest about me. <laughs> that was yeah. the, that it was a real clean trip. Okay. Uh, it was very, yeah, uh, it is. yeah it's real, uh, you're aware of what's going on, but you don't have that, like, well, I, I've done mask and LSD and all that kind of fun stuff back in the mm-hmm. day when I was young, but it you know it's not like that where you have that agitation and coming off of it yeah. isn't because it's you know it's, it's not very synthetic yeah it's very peaceful actually now with my anxiety disorder well you'd have to put me in a rubber room for about a year I could never oh, handle a trip agree. right now. <laughs> That no. is my biggest fear <laughs> about the about the ketamine. Which, by the way, there's a great. Um, I want to mention this now while I'm thinking about it. There's a great uh, Vice News health section, which is called Tonic, that is mm-hmm. on um, ketamine. And it's on YouTube. Oh, cool. And it's great. And and the host of the show does a ketamine um, session and talks about it a lot, you know, how he felt and during it and so mm-hmm. forth. So, so when did, okay, so what things did work for you prior to ketamine? Anything? Um. So I am on a combination of um, antidepressants. I'm on um, Zoloft and Wellbutrin, mm-hmm. and I've been on those um, since after my son was born um, with my postpartum depression. Okay. Um, and they've kept me stable enough um, 
from a major, you know, breakdown, uh. but they've never really work to the point where oh hey I feel like I can get out of bed every day with no issues and mm-hmm. kind of that quote-unquote normal um lifestyle mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um and I have done uh you know I've done CBT I've tried DBT um I've you know been in several different um like hospitals and sure. boarding school um, sure nothing has ever really fully kicked in in my brain um, and really done what the ketamine does. And, yeah, um, I, I want to mention something. I want to mention something. Let me interject real quick, honey. Um, the audience needs to know that you come from an affluent family um, that yes, has the correct. means and the resources to get you anything you wanted uh, that might help yes. you. And, the, and mm-hmm. none of it worked. <laughs> none of it was working. Yes. So, you know, sometimes... No, and I mean, yeah. I was in one of the... Um, I was at Menninger Clinic for um, quite some time, and uh, you know it, it's one of the best in the nation. And everything they could possibly think of, I did, and yeah. you know, really nothing helped. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't even want to guess how much money my parents have sure, spent. Sure, sure. Um, you know, trying to quote unquote fix me. Yeah. Um, and just help me heal. Um. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I will say nothing will help unless you are truly ready. Either. Yes. Yeah. Um, you have to be so all in. It, all in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When yeah, you, so, um, let me ask this um, uh, for uh, also the people listening. A lot of people don't know what DBT is. And I taught some of this at Rose Hill Center here when I was yeah. uh, um, teaching and seeing patients there. Um, it's it's dialectical behavioral therapy. So, And then the other therapy you were talking about was cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what I do with my patients Correct. all the time, which is working on how you talk to yourself, how you think and feel cognitive, yeah. how you cognitively handle your behaviors and how you think and feel. Now, DBT, the dialectical behavioral therapy is kind of along the same way, but you're talking to yourself in a different way. And there's a whole, I mean, whole, there's a whole dynamic behind that because it's yeah. uh, very long, convoluted and deeply involved. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, it has just always been so confusing to me, you know, with the mindfulness and <laughs> it's not um, a lot of acronyms and, and yes, it's not something that, um, I, I really enjoy okay. reading about or doing, um, obviously, but, um, you know, my, my best friend would tell you, she's like, Oh, you've been slacking on your DVT, huh? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it's more, for me, the mindfulness portion of it sure. and the meditation has been um, helpful mm-hmm. where I can just sit and focus on myself and the things around me. And that helps ground me now versus mm-hmm. cutting or, you know, uh, drugs, alcohol, sex. Sure, sure. Whatever I would use in the past. Sure, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, DBT... Um, have the these acronyms that they have uh, what can, can you remember one i'm try i'm dying right now trying to remember one what one of them can you remember any of them oh, oh. let me i don't think i can oh um, my gosh i'm drawing i mean it's 
blank, but I it's really like but it's like a saying. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a saying that you say to yourself um, about what somebody is saying to you. So it it's designed. And by the way, I want to mention that it's highly effective for many people, and it's very helpful yeah, for women with borderline personality disorder because um, it's it, each acronym kind of like like it's like it's stuff like I am Sam or something like that, and it, you know. It's, so there's Gear Man, Gear um, Man, Give and Fast. Uh, what is it? Gear man, give and fast. Okay. So and so gear what- man is like describe the situation, express how you feel, ask for what you want, reinforce the other person, being mindful, appearing confident, and be willing to negotiate. Okay. So that is a way of you taking in your information, understanding dear man. That's the one I was trying to think of. And then yes. breaking it down into what it's supposed but into your mind as to exactly what somebody is really saying to you not what you're doing with your distorted thinking correct yeah okay all right yeah because a lot of people like what is that i don't even understand what that means but it's very helpful for a lot of people my uh my gbt app good job (laughs) (laughs) good job but that does work you know it does work for a lot of people uh but borderline personality disorder which you were diagnosed with at one point is a Mm -hmm. rough one that is um a tough one to be diagnosed with and tell us a little bit why that is what you know what what where did they get that from with you what do you think it was from So um, I was promiscuous. I was self-harming. I had suicidal ideations. Um, The main part that they saw was my relationship with everyone around me. Yeah. Um, I had no healthy relationships. Everything was toxic or codependent. Um, My mom and I have had a huge, you know, I hate you, don't leave me relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it has taken a lot to break. Yeah. so it's really the relationships and the fact that, um, you know, any, a friend, I, I would attach to one friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I would attach to one boyfriend. Sure. I would attach to one person mm-hmm. and they were my entire world. I call that taking um, hostages, not having relationships. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, and, and it is. Yeah. And, it's very uh, true of people you know, with borderline. I, Oh, yeah. That was the major thing that um, they really realized that, you know, I didn't know how to have a relationship. And I mean, even, you know, my husband starting out, I met him. I clung to him. I moved in with him after two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, It, you know, we we are very, very blessed. It worked out for us in the long run. Yeah. Um, Previously relationships definitely did not um yeah and it was always very explosive in the end mm-hmm. there wasn't ever just a peaceful split it was you know tears fighting um sure, crying sure. like um you know something out of a lifetime movie where you know like the psycho neighbors stalking someone's husband sure um sure not quite to that extent but that's mm-hmm. how it felt well, um, you know, you know, I have to say that, you know, as a therapist, I'm going to say that your pro- your husband, I don't know his background or what his issues or how mm-hmm. he was raised, but for somebody to be able to handle that, it has to be a man yeah. who is either extremely chill or has a hero 
uh, ideation in within himself of rescuing and helping, and and that he, makes him happy to help you. He's definitely the chill type. Yeah. Um, he, um, he, you know, he grew up out in the country. Um, he's very laid back and relaxed, and it, it takes a lot to get him mad, mm-hmm. um, which. Mm-hmm you know, it's a blessing for me because as I mean, you've heard me talk, my mouth kind of just goes off at random points. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, you know, he is very, very laid back and, um, more with support system. Like, you know, what do you want to do to make you feel better? That's it, wonderful. Healthy. That's How awesome. How can I help you? Yeah, for sure. And that's super so, important. <laughs> you know, to, and but a lot of people. I want the audience to know that a lot of people don't have that kind of support. So, yeah. That, with correct. that, with that being said, then we need to reach out. You need to reach out and yeah. go and you know go to meetings, go to groups, go to your therapist, spend time working on yourself and what's going on because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have somebody who's going to put up with this shit for years on end, mm-hmm. correct? I mean, let's be oh, honest. Yeah. It is a rough road to be with somebody who's uh has mental health issues but or you know yeah. in the in in the first place. I mean, just with my anxiety, I mean, I'm not easy to handle. You know, oh, let al- you know, it, let alone I understand that. <laughs> yeah, let alone somebody who has depression and suicidal ideation mm-hmm. and is the mother of your child and you know, she's thinking about mm-hmm. killing herself and you know, can't get past no matter what you say or do, you know, you have to worry about them. That's a lot for somebody to contend with. So, you know, it, it is. it's a, it's a it's a it's a really difficult difficult thing. So, at mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you have you agree, you have to reach out, you have to get with the right people, you have to stay in treatment, you have to do what yeah. you need to do. You have to work it like the program. Like I'll be seventeen years sober in uh, about a week. And um Congratulations. Thank you, sweetheart. It's the best thing I ever did for myself. And the thing of it is is that yeah. every day, no matter what in the beginning, you know, it's been a long time now, but every day in the beginning, I was like, I don't feel like it. I don't want to go, but I mm-hmm. have to. I'm going to that meeting. I'm going to that book mm-hmm. club. I'm going to read about this. I'm going to study that. I'm going yeah. to do the next best thing to help me survive. And it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's worked so yeah. far. I mean, we can't say that we're never going to fall off the wagon, but it's worked so far. And you know, it's something that we really have to do to help ourselves. It's, it's super important. So, mm-hmm. so at the, at the end of all this, so last year, after you had your last inc- incident of self harm and you were suicidal mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, you, how did you hear about the treatment? Was it your psychiatrist was like, okay, you've been through too much trauma for ECT, which is a, uh, electroconvulsive therapy. And, the, mm-hmm. and it's pretty archaic, but archaic, but it does work. Yeah. And it's not like it used to be it where does. you're like, uh, you know, electrocuted and, you know, it, and, and people are like they fried do, on a table. You know, they do mild sedation now. Yeah. It's not yeah. like a, yes. you know, you're strapped to a bed. And not like a horror like flick or anything. Like horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. much, it's much very, more it's humane. much more gentle now. Without a doubt um so what was the so the doctor said listen hey you know i I'll, uh, let's let's try out and like i was trying to research i wasn't exactly sure did ketamine i think it's star i mean it's been around for 50 years ketamine period as mm-hmm. an anesthesia but um these clinics mm-hmm. only started popping up and the research really getting going on it around 2014 or was it way earlier than that mm-hmm. 
Okay. Okay. Um, it was around then, and um, I know my anesthesiologist who administers mine. Um, she was with one of the original studies at Baylor um, College of Medicine here in Houston. Okay. Um, that really they have this ongoing study, and and I'm a part of that study. You know, being right on. The patient. Um, and the research from that is absolutely amazing. I would encourage everyone to read um, just all the different ketamine studies for treatment resistant depression uh-huh. and PTSD um, before judging and saying, Oh, I'm never doing that. That's a street drug. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, you ha- the results are insane. Well, um, it's, it's got, you know, you it's, know. that street drug, uh, you know, special K date rape drug mm-hmm. and shit. It got a really bad rap, but you know what? It's not really as yeah. bad as many, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. It's, it, you know, it's, a lot of different, uh, like benzodiazepines. I mean, you slip somebody a Mickey, as mm-hmm. it used to be called back in the day. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, you, you know, you can get women to do just about anything that you want. So, oh, yeah. um, so he said, this is a good idea. This is something that we want to really give it a so, try. Um, so we had talked about it for a few months, and I was kind of on the fence. Um, yeah. And financially, my parents were not willing to help anymore at this point. Um, okay. So that that was a major drawback was the initial upfront cost um yeah the initial sessions it's three sessions um one week three sessions the next week so it's six sessions total yep um usually runs right around three thousand dollars yep it's um, a lot of money so um and then follow-up sessions with my um psychiatrist were five hundred dollars mm. um so i uh when i tried to kill myself um my psychiatrist knows the trauma that i've had at um psychiatric hospitals and mm-hmm. boarding school wilderness um you know i've had several sexual assaults mm-hmm. happen there mm-hmm. um he knew it would be more traumatic for me to go to a psych ward yeah. um than to go home and mm-hmm. see him that night so yeah he um he told the psychiatrist at the hospital to release me that he would be seeing me that night. He came in on a, on a weekend and, um, saw me. Um, and then he said, we're doing the ketamine. And I said, Dr. G, I don't have the money. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And he goes, we're not even going to worry about that. You need the ketamine. Okay. And so that was the generous. next day we started. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So let's get into that. Okay. So, um, what I through the reading I was doing through this one gentleman uh, parts that I saw, you know, treatments mm-hmm. can go from five to fifteen to to more. Um, I know in the initial yeah. stages, it's six treatments within a couple of weeks. They just to get it all going, correct? Yeah. Uh, um, correct. and and they were saying that each treatment was about four fifty. They were in this particular mm-hmm. area, it was four fifty. But then his psychiatrist that was there was covered on his insurance. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big so, chunk of where that price comes in. Yes, um, and a lot of psychiatrists in my area um, and the ones that I see, they they don't take insurance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So who has this kind of money? It's terrible. Covered by insurance. Yeah, I mean it's terrible that uh, it's not covered by yeah. insurance. It really definitely got to do something about that because, as we're saying, it, well, your parents were uh, cut you off at that point. But I mean, who can afford mm-hmm. this? I mean, it's in desperate need for so yeah. many people, right? Yeah, 
yeah. So, okay. So it, it definitely put a financial strain on our family. Oh, my, yeah. Um, my treatment, I go once a month for my IV. Okay. It lasts about an hour. Um, it's the, the clinic that I'm going to now run by the anesthesiologist. Um, she um, charges 375 so it's not as expensive as my psychiatrist. Um, Good, you know, running at 500. Yeah. But he's also, you know, his own small practice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I completely understand when I have the money, I, I do go over there to him mm-hmm. um, because um, I have a relationship with his um, nurse that comes in and checks in and I can, I can talk to her about anything. Um, and he comes in and he'll talk to me during, you know, the ketamine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my anesthesiologist does too. Um, we cool. always joke that, you know, we have a little like 30 minute pre-therapy session <laughs> yeah. before I do the ketamine. And, um, you know, you can just tell that I've been very lucky to find these two doctors that I completely trust with my life. Oh um, yeah. You have been, they, you have been. You can tell they truly, truly care. Um, You know, they will go out of their way to make make sure I get my treatment when I need it. Sure, Um, sure. So Uh, um, most people can go, you know, three or four months, six months, mm -hmm. just get, you know, a booster once a year. Yeah. Um, Right now, I go monthly, Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's really working for me mm-hmm. and my psychiatrist said it was more of a so think of it as a brain reset yeah um, every time I go in and get one it's like a computer rebooting mm-hmm. um and fixing all the little issues so mm-hmm. so I want to read a little something that um that I was reading about about ketamine when I was doing my research and and then I'll ask you a little bit if you agree um they say that sure. the experience of the treatment, is, it's a mild hallucinogen. We know that. So there's some hallucinogenic properties to yes. it. Okay. Um, it, but uh, people um, relay that it offers a different perspective to your ongoing issues. Um, this relates to your feelings of, of being like a quiet observer of your life. It kind of like slows down, reduces the chatter and your morbid thoughts. Um, one yeah. gentleman, uh, described it as it helps encapsulate your life with an emotion, with an out, without an emotional attachment. He said it was like, look, watching yeah. a movie of your life without any emotion attached to that, which is really interesting. I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. so that he could see it for himself exactly where he was going wrong, where he was doing things right, that kind of stuff. And then a psychiatrist also mentioned that it suggests that it's an advanced, like, similar to an advanced exposure therapy. How do you feel about all that, what I just said? What do you think? I, I completely agree with all of it. Do you? Um, yes, I. I don't outright have full-blown hallucinations. Um, okay. I mean, if I look at my phone, it's, I always think my phone is Fendi. Um, okay. Which, uh, but for the ketamine to really have a effect on your brain and reset, you have to have that kind of floaty feeling. Yeah. Um, if you don't have the dissociative or the floaty or, I mean, basically feeling high, it's yeah. not going to do its job. Yep. And it's um, an anesthetic. I mean, okay. So describe to yes. us exactly. You go in, what's the room look like? What, what's, what's the loadout? Your husband goes with you, correct? 
Yes. Okay. Right, so that's good. Um, and and did so, you not tell me? Didn't you tell me also that um, if you start freaking out a little bit, they can reverse the effects right away? Yes, they can. They can good. stop the IV, and usually it wears off pretty quickly. Um, okay. They can slow the IV down. Um, cool. It's it's all very 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 controlled. Um, I have an EKG going. Okay. Monitoring my breathing, my heart, mm-hmm. um, my pulse, my blood pressure. Perfect. Uh, my it does um, have a tendency to raise your blood pressure. Yes. Um, so my anesthesiologist, she has blood pressure medicines on hand that she um, gives me during my treatment. And okay. if it goes up too high and, um, you know, it, it's, I've never felt unsafe. Okay. And so they, that all environment. Right. okay, good. So, okay. So they sit you down and it, is it a chair? Do you sit in a reclining mm-hmm. chair of some it's a sort? It's recliner and I, um, I bring a pillow or a blanket. Um, I bring my headphones and, uh-huh. um, I listen to music. Um, my psychiatrist's office is a little different than my anesthesiologist. Um, mm-hmm. They don't like to have anyone back there influencing any of your experiences. Okay. Um, and starting out, they said, you know, no music that has words. And to be very mindful about what you watch on TV. Sure. The days leading up to um, your ketamine, because it can, it can definitely have an impact. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of the subconscious thoughts come into mind. Wow. Um, That's interesting. So my, ex- yes. So my experiences have all been, I've never had one the same. They've all been very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I have relived through most of my trauma. Yep. That's the um, prolonged exposure therapy, but you were able to stand back and look yeah. at it, correct? Without getting emotional about it. Yeah. Amazing. That is um, amazing. And so I, um, I'm very artistic. So a lot of my, um, I usually keep my eyes closed. A lot of my, um, quote unquote hallucinations will be, um, like for an example, the last time I was there, I was in a house and it was a 3d house. So uh-huh. the house would turn and I'd go into another room and then it'd flip over to the other side. I'd go into a different room and each different room represented something you know, different that was going on in my life. And it, it, the, um, you know, now that I'm kind of a veteran with with, the ketamine, um, I can listen to whatever music I want. I have a playlist that I have very upbeat music. Mm -hmm. And at the end, it kind of slows down to a more calm, relaxed, um, Mm -hmm. relaxed state. Um, but as each song plays, um, you know, that when the next song happens, I move to a different spot. Sure. Um, so I understand it, that it takes about 40 minutes to reach peak. Is that true? Um, I would say within about three or four minutes after they give me the IV, yeah. I'm floaty and I'm feeling good. Okay. Um, the whole IV process takes about 40, 45 minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I, so I, I wonder why this and is a clinic in Cal. Down. Yeah, this is a clinic in California, so I'm sure every clinic does it differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they were right. saying that you'll probably be hitting peak at 40. So, and they didn't tell, uh, they didn't mention how long he was in this treatment. So perhaps his treatment mm-hmm. went on a lot longer. I know for people with pain, pain uh, yeah, problems, a, they can last hours. up to four hours. Yeah, they can last up. The, yeah, the treatment right. can last that long. Okay, so as you're wandering around through these wombs, wombs, these rooms, you're kind of examining your life and your thought process and what's going on, and 
And what else yes. are you thinking and while I you're see, in there? So I see most of um, most of my life in in um, you know it comes across as like uh, you know different symbols in in the house or yeah. you know one day I was staring at the ceiling tiles and I would go into each ceiling tile and um, it, it's just totally random. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the one the one that has been the most powerful to me was when I was, when I relived my most recent trauma. Yeah. Um, and I was in a version of what I thought was hell. Ooh. And that's me. But then after I experienced that and I moved on to this version of heaven and peace, um, I'm, I'm, spiritual so I yeah you know my sense of peace with heaven and I can't even describe the relief that wow I felt that I made it through this journey um and that's what I call it it's a different journey every time I go in sure um and I knew during this you know traumatic scene um I was holding my husband's hand and mm-hmm. yes, sometimes I do cry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never been something that I have not been able to handle. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm looking at it from outside my body and outside my emotions. That's where the disassociation so, comes in. Yeah. It's, a, it's described as a um, disassociative drug. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Um, so that, for me, it's huge. I can relive these experiences without having the mental breakdown yep. that I would normally have after, you know, talking about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with someone or just in a psychotherapy session. That you is know? so interesting. Um, it's like on an escalation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like years of yeah. therapy, um, you know, jacked up <laughs> into high speed, yes, right? Is. That's really neat. It, and it seems like once I experience one of those trauma moments in my life, uh-huh. I am able to talk about it easier. Yes. I'm able to go in and see my psychiatrist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we talk for an hour and I can, you know, I can really explain my feelings better. I mm-hmm. can explain, you know, okay, I'm pissed off. I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'm sad. You know, what, what really what it really boils down to deep inside for me. Sure. And, um, um, and you know, uh, Kendall, this is what I tell my patients all the time. If we don't talk about it, we can't, we got to get that black uh, negative stuff out of there. Otherwise we can't put the healthy, yes. clean stuff in there. The stuff that's going to help you heal. And that's that all so that true. suppression, all that suppress, suppressing yes. all those emotions, thoughts and feelings. Cause we don't want to relive them. We don't want to talk about mm-hmm. them, but you have to, to feel better. It's yeah. just the fact of it. And, you know, people feel as though they're going to die if they talk about it. They're never going to survive the emotions that come mm-hmm. along with it. But you, it's better than cutting and attempting suicide. Yeah, you it know, it, it, but, but we don't look at it like that when it's distorted, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. How many, how many, um, how many, um, uh, treatments have you had so far? Um, I started about a year ago. So I've had my initial six, but I've had about one a month. Um, since then, um, so about 20, about 20. Okay. And so you're Mm -hmm. up to one a month. And there have been like situational times where, 
you know, um, everything's hit the fan and I'm like, okay, I know I need to have a ketamine booster right now. Sure. It hasn't been the full month yet, Mm -hmm. but, um, I'm doing this. It's more preventative. Absolutely. In those, um, you know, yeah. those, those, those moments of or weeks that, you know, I'm like, okay, I see I'm spiraling down. I need a booster. Sure. I need to pick myself up before yeah. I hit rock bottom. How again. long was it before you started seeing results? Um, you know, really within the first um, three treatments, right. I no longer felt that I wanted to kill myself. That's huge. Um, That's huge. Which is, I mean, it's kind of unheard of. It was, you know, literally like six days later. Yeah. Um, and if I go back and I look at my journal every now and then, and I see what I wrote that night. And then what I wrote the night after I tried to kill myself and, mm-hmm. you know, where I said, I'm trying it again. And, you know, um, before I had my initial ketamine um, dosage and then I had that first dosage and that was the first glimpse of hope that I've had. Okay. In, Good. Years. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that, so that just kept things moving. You know, um, some of the other mm-hmm. things I was reading about is, you know, there's no guarantee that treatment will work, but they don't have any long longitudinal mm-hmm. studies on this, these ketamine, uh, uh, Correct. uh, IV, you know, and the, um, long-term, uh, treatment plan and how this is working for people. Um, the, um, a lot of people reported after two and three, um, infusions, they saw results. Um, like mm-hmm. we were saying, pain patients need about four hours and many more infusions because, you know, they're treating something far different. Um, mm-hmm. They they say um, that this isn't a lifetime solution, but it's definitely, mm-hmm. you know, really extremely helpful for so many people. Of course, we're running out of time already. Um, um, mm-hmm. Someone... Um, <laughs> Someone has to be with you uh, there, whether they're in the room or not, depending on which facility you go to. No food or drink mm-hmm. um, four hours prior um, to the session. Is that correct? No food at least, yeah. right? Um, you need a referral from a psychiatrist to a qualified outpatient facility. And the interesting thing I found, oh, and your you know, psychological meds, they say stop six to 12 hours before treatment, correct? Um, the um, so lamictal sedatives I'm or benzos. Okay with- the benzodiazepines are really the only thing that interact with that in alcohol. Um, okay. So I I stay away from my benzos for that morning. Yeah. Um, and I have decided just to stop drinking in general because of, um, you know, how it affects ketamine and how it affects with my um, other meds. And, and to be honest, the last time I fully drank, you know, it, I had a traumatic experience. So okay. Oh, okay. That, so that's um, not a good idea. That's my personal decision. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, you know, I will not drink. You know what I found that was really interesting is there is no age requirement. Yeah. So I, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, I, I looked know, it up. Yeah, there's no way age. Over 18. <laughs> yeah, there is no age requirement as of yet. But you know, it's still a relatively new drug. Um, the only mm-hmm. really negative thing I could find about it, it you know, it, that they worry that people might have an unwanted dependency on it. Not, not, not as far as tolerance or addiction or something like that. But the mm-hmm. dependency on thinking that if I don't have it, I won't be able to go on with my life. But in a lot of cases, people do and live fine, full lives without having to use it again because this is yeah. actually restructuring the wiring within your brain and creating new pathways right. and new neuro, neurotransmitter pathways and um, 
helping you to think and feel differently. Um, before we go, Kendall, can you just tell me what, what would you like everybody to know about your treatments and what, it, how it's been beneficial for you real quick? Um, uh, ketamine saved my life. Um, between that, my husband and my doctors, ketamine has saved my life. I would not be here if it wasn't for my ketamine treatment. Um, and I, I would encourage everyone to research, 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 yeah. research ketamine um, before you place a label on it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the stigma is there. It doesn't need to be. Um, and it's something that I um, really want to bring awareness to is that this helps people so much. Um, That's great. And um you know, I on a side note, the um, the FDA actually just approved a nasal ketamine uh, for depression, so the stigma is going away. It's, Good. Um, well, it is a Schedule Three so drug. It is used for medical enough. purposes. It's used for medical purposes, yes. so um, that's super important to everything. And um, you know, if it's saving lives and it's hope for somebody, uh, Kendall, I can't thank mm-hmm. you enough for being on with me of today course. and helping um, people. So Absolutely, um, this has been a, a great show to talk about. And I told you it goes by in two minutes um, about all the yes. great <laughs> things that go on with uh, with ketamine and depression and that there is hope for people and you just have to research and figure it out. And there's ketamine clinics popping up everywhere now. So we know that Mm -hmm. this is something that's up and coming, but I want to thank you, Kendall, um, for joining me today. Thank you, Jessica, to my engineer. Um, today our outro is going to be by my brother's Dan Coup de Trois. It's called, uh, my brother Dan Holmes. It's called 40 Ounce. I want you all to enjoy your weekend. Please do something for yourself. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram. This is Liz Life Guru. This is Liz, your guru, saying namaste from my heart to yours.
Shit, I don't care. People in the park don't stop and stare. Heaven in a bottle comes. 